Hello, my brave ones. I am glad that you are listening to this podcast. I am grateful for your courage and desire through my story and the stories of many other people to hear and recognize many things that you have had or have to face every day in your life. Thank you. In the third episode, I voiced the difference between toxic relationships and narcissism. Six points that describe the difference between a narcissist and a toxic person, which for sure helped you clarify many questions for yourself. And also shared examples from my own experience of these different relationships, which I am sure many of you feel similar to in your stories. To introduce you to this episode, which is called The Art of Creating a Victim, and give you two very profound examples from my experience of what it is like to be in a victim's shoes, I would like to voice you some important points which were kindly presented to me by my therapist about the symptoms that victims may experience. Let's start to understand what a victim really goes through when they are trapped in a relationship when not yet aware of. Before you will hear a few of these points, I want to tell you something very important. On the eve of the preparation of this episode, I received a message from a beautiful, smart and bright woman with whom we are friends. She has her own story which she is not yet ready to share here. But I can briefly say that she grew up in a family where her father was a narcissist and her mother suffered a lot. Of course, this left a huge imprint in her mind and the mind of her brother. It also led her into a series of toxic and abusive relationships. Now she is learning to listen and understand herself. So the day before she started listening to a podcast, first time. And that is what she sent me. Nata, when I started listening to the first episode, I wanted to stop. I got scared. I didn't want to go back to this past that happened to me, but I began to listen to your voice. With it, I felt safe and decided that it was time to face my fears and continue to listen. So I listened to the next episode and then the first one again. I think it is very important to work with yourself and you need to start with yourself so that this doesn't happen again in my life. My dear ones, I know that you are the most courageous. Let's go together and consider what symptoms the victims may be experiencing and what they represent. It is well understood that victims are going to express emotional distress, which can include trauma, loss of trust, self-blame, fear and anxiety, and impact of well-being. The emotional distress experienced by victims can be profound and lasting, so let's look a little bit closer to these indicators. Trauma. Victims of various forms of abuse or violence often experience trauma, leading to symptoms such as anxiety, depression, nightmares and flashbacks. The emotional wounds from this experience can affect victims for years. Loss of trust. Being victimized can shatter a person's trust in others, making it difficult to form new relationships or trust their instincts. This can lead to feelings of isolation and loneliness. Self-blame. 
Many victims grappled with feelings of self-blame, even when the situation was entirely beyond their control. This can exacerbate feelings of shame and guilt. The next one is fear and anxiety. Victims may develop a heightened sense of fear and anxiety due to the traumatic event. They might be on age, experience panic attacks, and avoid situations or places that trigger distressing memories. And the last one. Impact of well-being. The emotional distress of victimization can impact physical health, causing sleep disturbances, appetite changes, and even chronic health conditions. Now I want to ask you something. When an abusive relationship with a narcissist, have you ever felt wrong, like it was always your fault? Did you feel stupid, worthless, unhappy, and incapable of anything, ugly, always trying to prove or justify something, not wanted? Have you ever felt that you are not enough, that you don't fit into your partner's environment? Have you ever felt like you can't trust anyone and... Worst of all, you can't trust yourself. Have you ever been suffocated in this relationship, feeling something between constant fear, anxiety, unclarity and pain, so that at times it seemed to you that it would be better to just disappear, that there is no more strait to endure this, there is no hope that something can change? Did you feel like this? I felt that way. You are not alone in this. I understand you. I will share with you one of my memories. I remember how we flew in an airplane. First class, champagne. I was wearing expensive clothes, a watch. People close to my ex are flying with us. What a nice picture. I've been sitting with a book, trying to read Franklin's biography for two years now. I read no more than a hundred pages and got stuck. I got stuck and couldn't read further because I was sure that I had forgotten how. I just forgot how to read. I have always read with pleasure. I love books in print. I love their smell and the ability to turn pages, old school reading. And now I'm sitting in this plane and feel like my brain is damaged. There is something wrong with me. I'm completely worthless. How does he tolerate me at all? I can lose him because I even forgot how to read. How weak I am. I start crying quietly. I quickly wipe my tears away so no one sees them. I take headphones, turn on music, the same music, the same songs, in order to somehow calm down, not to think about the bad, in order to somehow feel safe and try to convince my brain of the opposite. Maybe there is a little hope that I can read again. But it's too hard. It feels like my mind is playing on the team that is against me. Here are some explanations of signs that might indicate a person is a victim, kindly provided by my therapist. Emotional distress indicators. When an individual displays consistent and noticeable emotional distress, such as heightened anxiety, depression, or fear, it could indicate victimization. These emotions may arise due to experience they've endured, behavioral changes. 
if someone undergoes significant changes in their behavior, such as withdrawing from social interactions, avoiding certain places or people, or becoming excessively cautious, it might suggest that they have been subjected to victimization. Physical symptoms. Victims of various forms of victimization might exhibit physical symptoms such as insomnia, headaches, stomach problems, or fatigue. These symptoms can arise from the stress and emotional toll of the experience. Loss of confidence. When a person's self-esteem and confidence appear to diminish or they express self-doubt, it could be a response to being victimized, which often involves undermining one's sense of self-worth. One of my favorite. Social isolation. Victims might distance themselves from friends, family and social activities due to feelings of shame, guilt or a lack of trust. They might feel that others wouldn't understand their experiences. Hypervigilance. Victims might become hyper-aware of their surroundings, always anticipating potential threats or negative situations. This state of constant vigilance stems from a heightened sense of vulnerability. Dependence on others. Someone who suddenly becomes overly dependent on another person's decisions or approvals might be influenced by victimization. This dependency could reflect a shift in their control and autonomy. Reluctance to share. Individuals who are victims of various circumstances often hesitate to share their experience, fearing judgment, disbelief or retaliation. This reluctance might seem from a sense of powerlessness. Avoidance of triggers. Victims might actively avoid situations, places or people that remind them of their traumatic experiences. This avoidance can be an attempt to shield themselves from further distress. Heightened emotional reactivity. Victims might react strongly to seemingly minor triggers. This heightened sensitivity results from the accumulated emotional distress they are carrying. Difficulty concentrating. Here we are. Experiencing victimization can lead to difficulty focusing on tasks, making decisions, or maintaining attention. The emotional turmoil can interfere with cognitive processes. Negative self-image. Victims often develop a negative self-perception, believing they are somehow to blame for their circumstances. This negative self-image can exacerbate emotional distress. So what can I say? That was me a little over a year ago. How much I managed to change during this time. What a blessing that I survived. But going back there, how did it happen that I became the ideal victim? And now we move on to the very art of creating a victim. A short reminder, you have a right to your story. It belongs to you. This is your experience. My dear ones, if you feel that your story needs to be voiced, please email me to thevoicebynatakink at gmail.com. I will do my best to get your story heard. You can find information in the description of the episode. Among all the narcissists' abusive manipulations that have been used to train my mind, in this episode I will describe the main ones and tell you how it happened to me. 
I'm sure you've heard terms such as gaslighting, deflection, and narcissist rage. Before I use my example to explain exactly how they were used in my case, I will describe to you the definition of these terms in my own words. So, gaslighting is when the narcissist categorically denies what happened, no matter what, but it didn't happen, and tries to make the victim doubt their own memories by changing their perception of reality. This is when you begin to doubt not only the episode that happened, but also your sanity. Deflection and blame shifting is when he or she is never at fault for anything. Guilt or criticism is rejected and redirected to another person. In the case of a personal relationship to a partner, which makes you even more doubt your perception of reality and in a person with empathy, it causes a feeling of guilt and shame. And the third term, narcissistic rage, is when a reaction to any of your actions or words causes a furious reaction that is ten times more the permissible reaction in any case. Rage, the fear of which is so great that it makes you freeze, feel completely lost and ready for almost anything just to avoid this rage. And now I will tell you how skillfully all of them were applied to me in a relationship with my former partner. Ready? Then let's go. I mentioned in a previous episode that when we started the relationship, it wasn't just fast-paced. It was really a hurricane of everything. Complete change of environment, country and lifestyle. And this may not be bad or scary, but besides the fact that you are constantly on the run and don't have time to recognize what is happening or even just think calmly about it, many things that I used to consider natural for myself, which I thought were under my control and I decide and manage them, began to completely blur in my mind. One of those things was my sleep. To be honest, I love to sleep. And I think that proper sleep is a very important part of a healthy lifestyle and a healthy mind. Of course, like many others, especially before, I often sacrificed my sleep for the sake of work, meeting friends or a date, going to the cinema, going to a bar, and so on. Although now I have a different attitude towards my sleep time, but even before, if I sacrificed this time, it was always my choice and my decision. And suddenly in this relationship, it changed dramatically. Since February 2016, we have slept together almost every night, with the exception of fights that lasted days, when we could spend the night in a different places. Already before February, many nights spent together were very hectic for me. Almost always he drank red wine and moved all over the bed all night. If he woke up, he wanted intimacy or started complaining about how he suffered in a previous relationship. Of course, I couldn't sleep like that, but I could follow his sleep, calm him down and pity him. At that time, I had strong feelings for my ex, which I considered love. And as tactile person, I always wanted to hug him, kiss him, touch him. When we fell asleep, I hugged him from behind. After some time, at night, I woke up from the fact that this 100 kilograms man was above me, pressing my arms to my sides with his hands and screaming in my face. 
What are you doing? Are you crazy? You cuddle up to me all night. Do you want me to fall out of bed? Is your side of the bed not enough for you? Are you trying to piss me off? Take my sleep away from me? I won't be able to work tomorrow and I always have to function. You ruin me. You need to go to the doctor immediately. You need to fix this behavior with a specialist. This is not normal. I felt his breath on me. He almost spat on my face because he screamed so furiously. His face was right in front of me. His evil white eyes looked at me with hatred. At first I just wanted to run away, but it turned out to be impossible. If I tried to get out from under him and get off the bed, it pissed him off even more. A couple of times I twisted and tried to run out of the room, but he either grabbed my hand and returned me to bed, or, and this is very interesting, he began to shout such threats to me, after which I returned myself. After returning me to the bed, he could change from rage to some kind of angry self-pity. Anger for me and pity for him. He could still with anger, but already without rage, tell me that I don't know how to control myself. I don't know how to sleep properly. That I'm hurting him by hugging him and taking his place on the bed. That this is very bad and not right on my part and I need to urgently eliminate this with a professional. That this is unhealthy behavior on my part towards him, my loved one. This could go on for an hour or more. I lost straight, gave up and silently agreed that he was right. Don't you think this is literally an art? But please hear me right. This is evil, very dangerous and one of the most insidious arts in this world, in my opinion. The consciousness manipulation of the mind of another person. Use three in one, so simple and elegant. Rage, gaslighting and deflection. Art. I love the word. And in a normal situation, it usually gives me a pleasant associations, but not in the case of a relationship with a narcissist. Even before this behavior, there were many things with which I understood that it was easier to agree than to argue, accept and adapt. Plus, in my case, in addition to the powerful abusive behavior, honed on many other people before me, my ex-partner also had external power, as I then saw it. I mean, in my mind at that moment, this person was already in an overbearing position, surrounded by a correctly selected environment, confirming his power and rightness. All this created in me a clear perception of a person who can and who is right. And I tried to veil his rage under the stress of his work and tried very, very hard to downplay the significance of this rage and justify it in any way. Now I will try to accurately describe and not to miss anything what I felt then and how this process seemed to enslave me in my state of mind. I thought and felt that something was clearly wrong with me. Why do I hug him in my sleep? This is strange. He really needs to rest. What if I go to the doctor and he really tells me that I am crazy? And people don't sleep like that, don't hug in their sleep. 
Oh God, I can't even sleep like a normal person. I'm really out of my mind. I guess I can't trust myself. Maybe I can't trust myself in many other things. And so, in my own consciousness, in my mind, in my beautiful brain, a program of self-destruction was introduced. It's like a virus in a computer that gradually and inexorably destroys the entire system. My mind has become my number one enemy. Constant self-doubt. My core beliefs are wrong. My perception of reality is wrong. My vision of myself is destroyed. Of course, I tried to resist subconsciously, but I became weaker, smaller. My physical and emotional strength was depleted. Depleted over the years, I was shrinking. After a while, this rage subsided, or rather changed. And other abusive manipulations have come to replace this. Interestingly, that after about half a year, he himself began to sleep with me and hugging me. But at the same time, he put half a pillow on my head, as if he was using my head as half a pillow. But what has come to replace it? I could be awakened in the middle of the night, just by pushing me in the side, to satisfy his physical needs. He pursued his lips like a little boy, by the way, the mask that he often used, and said that he should be kissed there because he could not sleep. At other times, he could just turn on the TV at night, which was in the bedroom, and start watching something. Well, if before going to bed he drank alcohol, then aggression moved to a new stage. He could also wake me up and say that I make some sounds, such as snoring and disturbing his sleep, and if I could never refuse him physical satisfaction, being sure that it was my duty, but to a loud TV or a sharp push to the side, I expressed my dissatisfaction. His reaction was hysterical and necessarily included a reverse attack. What are you dramatizing? I was about to turn it off. Why are you so angry? Here you go again. Now you are yelling at me and I won't be able to sleep. This is not only your room, but also mine. Should I leave? Tell me, do you want me to leave? And my favorite one. You constantly defend your territory. There is absolutely no place left for me anywhere. And I began to apologize, ask for forgiveness, reassure him and justify myself. I started to say that I just wanted to sleep and at the same time really felt very guilty towards him. After all, I can always sleep and he and his importance and his sleep are much more important. Then I didn't understand at what point my brain, having learned the new perverse rules of this wild game, which I sincerely took for the most important relationship in my life, at what moment my mind began to play against me and endlessly justify his behavior, and to admit even the thought that I can end this relationship was impossible for me, and in general I am a hero, I never give up at all. I can wait another year and adapt better and try harder and happiness will definitely come. My body was telling me much more truth, but listening to this truth was too painful for me. 
The lack of constant normal sleep and high level of stress had powerful negative effects on my physical condition. Hair loss, nervous eye tick, constant nausea, constant feeling of lack of air and panic attacks as a result, menstrual irregularities, chest pains and many other things that I just didn't want to pay attention to spoke for themselves. But how the hell can you hear yourself? How to make this difficult choice in a favor of yourself when you are involved in this relationship and think that this is everything for you? When it seems that he is the whole world for you or the world itself, as it seemed to me personally before. However, this is far from reality and the truth about what exactly these people in your life are. So how to start listening to yourself, how to return to yourself? And to answer this question, I invite you to listen to the next episode, which will be released on August 25th, in which I will tell you in detail about the experience of my healing process, what I did and what methods I resorted to in order to restore myself. But this episode I would like to finish with the following. Back there, I was completely unaware and did not recognize myself as a victim. The word was such a terrible, incriminating word to me. When my therapist about three months after I got out of this relationship told me that maybe after a while you could say that word out loud and accept the fact that you were a victim. I thought, that's unlikely. I don't want that word to stick to me. I'm much stronger than this. And this word will pull me down as if I got dirty in it. And now, having understood and accepted my experience, I can boldly, without pain, without humiliation, but with great respect for myself, say that I was a victim of an abusive relationship with a narcissist. I've been there and I know what it is. And I am very strong, capable and I will succeed. Returning now to these memories, I want to tell you with all the courage and support, no one deserves this experience. No one should pay such price for it. But if it comes into your life, it can teach you a lot. Learn to work with yourself, not be afraid to ask yourself questions and give answers to them. You can. You have the right to tell your story, to share what you have gone through or are going through now. Your story is of tremendous importance to many, many other people around the world. And sometimes, to take the first step, such an incredibly difficult first step, you can try to hear yourself from the outside and let other people hear your story in order to understand that we are not alone and maybe help to someone really try to avoid or get out of this relationship and shine again in a new light. I hug you all and wish you a very kind day full of respect for yourself.